What does it even mean to be triggered? What's this world of emotions? Are you connected with your own or are you living in a world of mystery? Christina here with Nina's Journey. Each week, we're going to hang out and walk through a topic that's going to light our soul on fire. Together, we're going to unpack past experiences, talk through feelings, and so much more. Together on this podcast, we will learn to love, live, and grow. Because I believe when we learn to love openly, we will begin to live with vulnerability. And ultimately, that is when we grow. Woo, we're back, friends. How have you been? It's been a really long time. I can't believe that I haven't published a podcast or even written a word for this program in months. I've missed you guys. The podcast is something that I literally think about every day, day in and day out. What should I talk about? Should I explain what happened? I'm sure you're curious. Like, I fell off the face of the earth. And some of that, it's like, do I just let it be? Do I just let the podcast be and and be that, you know, one hit wonder? And I mean, it didn't even end right. I didn't even end season two the way that I really envisioned to end season two. And I didn't know how to come back. I don't know. Like, just... Going through 2021 was harder than 2020. I struggled. Uh, There was a kickoff. I I spoke a little bit about it in April, and I had started counseling and therapy. And then I was moving along and, and, and having some improvement. But I just want you to know, like, the world of healing, if you're in your journey of healing, or if you start a journey of healing and... The road is feeling like it's not sunshine, roses, unicorns, and rainbow cupcakes. You are on the right train. I want you to know and not be confused like I was because I thought I'm on this train of healing, right? I buckled myself in. I'm, I'm going to therapy. I'm applying the things. Everything should be great, right? I should be on this uphill climb to ecstasy, like straight up happiness, like everything should just be great, right? I was on this roller coaster where there was ups, downs, loop-de-loops. I didn't know if I was coming or going. There was dark tunnels. There was wild turns. And I thought, what the hell is going on? Am I really healing? Like, should I not have done this? This is painful. This is not what I signed up for. And as I worked through it with my therapist, that's what healing is. I... I watched the movie Tangled. I don't know if you've ever watched that with your kids. And I was sitting there and I was watching Tangled. The scene is where she like finally gets out of the tower, right? And this this character, you know, she she's running all over like she's happy, she's free, she's she's all the things and then she's hiding in a bush and she's sobbing and she's uncertain. Disney got it right. That is the visual of what healing is from trauma, from taking through and filtering this world of unknown outside of trauma. Honestly, when I look back, what I was feeling and what I was navigating is if I heal from this, if I learn and I separate myself from this pain and this agony and this sadness, who am I? 
healing is something that I've wanted so bad. And I think that's what any of us want who have trauma in our background or difficult memories or experiences or sadness, whatever it might be. If the emotions are heavy and they're hard, we want freedom. We want to break through these chains. We want to feel what we see that happiness looks like and should feel. But we have to actually step outside and shed the layers. We have to let go of that pain. We have to process that trauma. And it comes to a point where you're like, who will I be? This is all I have known. And that, I think, is where the roller coaster comes in. And that's exactly what happened. By the time June came, I was so far on this roller coaster, I didn't know what to do. And then in mid-July, a Mack truck came and hit me and was like, hey, either you um, need to get off this train because it's too much for you, or I'm going to pack on a whole bunch more um, hardships here for you to process. And let's really, really test out these skills that you've been developing with your therapist for the last four years. I mean, what better way to know if you're on the right track, right, friends, than to go ahead and just dump a shit show in your lap and see if you can survive it in a way much better than you had previously. So yeah, I was sitting there. It was a 72-hour period in July of uh, my daughter really struggled, really struggled. Um, Not certain that she wanted to be here anymore. And we had to deal with a crisis situation. I had uh, the drop of a custody battle uh, that was an on. That's been an ongoing story, and I and I know I've said this before on previous episodes. I'll I'll walk you down that path. I'm just it's not something that I want to deep dive in today or even soon in this season because I've got something exciting for you guys. And then there was marriage troubles. I mean, in three days, I went from getting news unexpected to is my marriage going to make it to my daughter is now in need of crisis, and we had to call. And go through something that was so incredibly hard. And in that that period, I just didn't know. I had the fear of the future. I questioned everything. I didn't know I needed all the strength. But, um, you know, moving forward from that, it was getting my daughter where she needed to be. And then I had a six-week preparation for this custody battle. And really, that was a huge trigger of my own PTSD. It was elevating and growing. And and essentially, even though I was in therapy, it was becoming unmanaged. And I was not um, getting through that in a way where I thought, hey, I'm healed. It's perfect. It's great. I'm going to do all the things. And and we're going to shine light on this. And it wasn't working that way. In fact, my largest trigger, my largest trauma was on a weekly cycle of sitting in front of my attorney, going through, preparing for this, testifying, what am I going to talk about? And then the strategy was to have to talk about the abuse that I had lived and all the things. And leading up to that hearing, it was like three or four days before that. And I had hit what I thought um, was the end end of me. I wasn't getting the support that I needed at home. I was just struggling to keep everybody where they needed to be and feeling incredibly alone in my own journey. And as I was putting in boundaries with certain areas of my life, um, I felt I was in a really dark place and I felt incredibly alone. And then um, the, the Guardian and Lightroom report come out and all of that turmoil, all of those weeks of tears and fear and laying awake at night and nightmares you know, riddling my sleep and, and me getting to the point where I don't know that if I can actually keep going, if I am actually even strong enough to keep up on this this journey of hardship, like it just feels like I'm not meant for anything more than darkness and, and hurt and pain. And... The dark side won again, friends. It was, hey, that GL gave his 
gave his speech, going to go with what he wanted. And I was smart enough to know that this entire case, the guardian had lied. The judges always lean on the guardian and lied and report. So a tough decision. Do I, do I go through that hearing? Do I finally let my voice be heard? Devastation of knowing that that courtroom and those officials will never really really understand what I have gone through. They will never understand this journey that the kids and I have had to navigate. And without that clarity, I feel like it's unfair. There's no justice. And my voice again has been silenced. And so that then led into a period of having to mourn that. The devastation was overwhelming, continuing therapy, and learning that maybe my voice isn't going to be heard on that stand and maybe my voice didn't necessarily impact the officials that made judgment calls, I'll say. Um, I don't feel like they made it with all of the information. And I'll be honest, making decisions without all the information feels unproductive to me. But I learned that my voice can be used in a much different way. That it can be used through my podcast. It can be th- used through content I can create and awareness that I can bring. And so September was really where I started to um, take that time to comb back through, you know, the skill sets that I had been working with my therapist and then how I applied that in the hardest season with increased triggers and um, learning that I don't have to be perfect. And this is really a process that symptom management isn't like bam, a light switch and you are better. Um, It really is understanding and getting to a place where I can accept my symptoms and have better awareness when I see certain behaviors and how triggers feel in my body. And so that day, you know, the looming day was over. I'm now spending time in September really sitting with myself, spending weeks, you know, dusting myself off, revisualizing life for me. What does that look like? What does it look like for my business? What does it look like for the community I'm trying to build? What does Nina's journey look like, friends? And what is it that I want to do with myself? What is it that I want to be and bring to this world? And so I started to feel that empowerment, that grow, that strive. It was coming back. And in October, I really started small with getting some content flowing. I had to get back into a rhythm. I used my VIP group on Facebook. So, you know, kind of started some challenges with the group there and sharing, you know, thoughts and all the things. And so I just used that as to like start to build and things were flowing. Things were going well. By November, I had like good systems and tools engaged. There was a routine, the content. I was so proud. I was helping the team on a weekly call for the... Uh, Zaya team that I work with and I was mentoring and I, I just had this ember in my belly and it was becoming bigger and the fire was becoming brighter and I was becoming more hungry and I was like I this is it like I've got the pieces put together I've got the understanding I feel actually truly stronger I don't feel like I'm at war with myself inside I have more grace I understand I was responding in a way and that was making me a better wife and a better mother a better human being, I could look in the mirror and I truly could feel at peace. And that's really the best sign of healing. But that didn't come without that roller coaster. There was no unicorns. There was no rainbow cupcakes. But at the end of that, the sense of like internal peace, I didn't know how I was going to get there. And shit, I didn't even know that that's what I was looking for. But when it came, I knew, I knew that's where I needed to be. So December comes in, we're doing great, Uh, the train is rolling, and yeah, so 
so December falls apart and one of the most magical parts of the year, right? Like Christmas is there and the sparkly snow and Santa's coming and all the things. And I'm sitting in an ICU room, not for me. I'm watching one of my children struggle and I had to go through that for a weekend. And then three days later, I had another child have a medical emergency and rode to the hospital in an ambulance one night. And, and then yes, there's still trouble in paradise a few days after that I was navigating a space where we weren't sure we were going to make it and I was being asked to leave the home regardless of it being Christmas and all I wanted to do friends is crawl into a hole all I wanted to do was just make it all go away and I have learned in PTSD those thoughts those darkest thoughts they're normal they're a symptom and I know that now and I know how to respond to that and I had to just take care of myself and I used what I had learned. I continued to show up unconditionally for my family and love in the way that left them feeling supported. It was an incredibly hard month but Christmas came, you know, 10 days later or so and and we opened up presents and the future looked brighter and there's progress and we have come to January of 2022 and it feels right now. I sat down and wrote this outline for this podcast, I don't know, probably three, four weeks ago. It was right at the end of December when I picked up this book called From Trigger to Tranquil and I uh, started reading it and I could see the application and the learnings that I could share with my loved ones around me. And, uh, then, you know, just for another good kicker, the universe is like, hey, we really want to make sure that this lady's got her shit together. We really want to know that she's strong enough to stand up. And, you know, my husband's been mobilized and we've got to deal with another uh, military event for uh, for a period of time. But things are going well and, and how things go well is systems. If that's anything that I can offer you, if you're struggling and you want to dig out of something, I stripped it all down to the basics. What do I need to do? How do I take care of myself? How do I take care of my family? What makes me feel good? What makes me feel like I'm showing up and taking care of the people that I love? Like I want to be the wife and mom that I want to be. And I haven't always done that. I always haven't been always able to do that. I've been in times of struggle and that's okay. That's so okay. Then we should normalize that in society. Like it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not show up in the way that we want to we take that time and we have to figure out how we will show up and systems is it for me like find a system put something in place try it I'm going to use meal planning as an example Uh, cooking is a, a thing of contention in this household so cooking is something that I haven't done a lot in the last few years um and by cooking i mean like something more than a frozen pizza some spaghettios i don't know there you go i'm very vulnerable here friends and saying that parenting you know my kids grew up on cheerios and mac and cheese and it'll be okay but it's not necessarily what the memories that i wanted them to have their entire life so Cooking is something that I'm getting back into. We've remodeled the kitchen a little bit. It feels more inviting. I feel like I can be in this space and feel calm. And I just sat down with a recipe book and I wrote on a calendar. I picked three meals for whatever day. We're going with crockpot meals because my life is going 200 miles per hour. And that's how I could do this. So I applied that, um, had good results. Then I just took my calendar and I started writing it out. I wrote a grocery list for that week, organized the cupboards and the pantry so that the system 
systems can move. And then Sunday I did a meal prep for two hours, put things in their bags. This last week I popped things in crock pots. It's been really good. So take the time to build yourself a system and allow that to build you the confidence that you need to keep going. The rest will come in place. So now, you know, I've got meals planned out well into the first part of February and it's working really well. So something that I've been super proud of over the last few weeks. But you're like, hey, thanks for the updates, but I really want to know, what does Nina's journey look like this season, season three? And I will happily share you what's on the docket, but first a word from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life is hard, and right now, it feels even harder. No one should ever feel alone during a time of hardship. That's why I have partnered with BetterHelp to bring you tangible tools and resources to help you work through your own journey. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. They know a good match is the secret to your success in therapy. So if you need a rematch, you can. It's easy and free. This is not a crisis line. It is not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not always be locally available in many areas. This gives you access to expertise outside of your local community. The service is available for folks worldwide. Service is quick and seamless. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you can fit this in around your own schedule anytime, anywhere. Also, it is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp and I want you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Nina's Journey. That's Better H-E-L-P, and join over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And right now, there's a special offer for the listeners of Nina's Journey. You'll get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Nina's Journey. That's betterhelp.com slash N-I-N-A-S-J-O-U-R-N-E-Y. So yeah, there you go. I'm super excited about the sponsorship. In fact, it's the program that I used for my healing journey. Uh, it is an incredible program. I got matched with an absolute talented therapist in the world of trauma healing and PTSD. So um, check that out or let me know if you have any questions. But back to season three. We're here. Content for real. Thanks for hanging out. Let me share all the things. want you to know that you're not alone. So I had mentioned that uh, weeks ago, I picked up this book. It was uh, From Triggered to Tranquil. And I read that book, or I started reading that book. And instantly I was like, this is, this is what I'm going to do. This is season three. And I was out shoveling snow one day. And uh, as I was visualizing that microphone in front of my face again, and, and the editing and the production, everything was so exciting to me. This podcast just energizes me and I love it so much. But I was back to the question of, what do I call it? What is season three? How do I tie this in? What are we going to do? And then it came to me that season three is the season where we become free. Yes, friends. This is the season where we're going to take this book and I'm going to walk you through. I'm going to share insight to what I'm reading and what I've done over the last few months, what I've learned. And we're going to do a chapter a week on this podcast on season three. We're going to set the groundwork 
this week on what emotional triggers are, terminology, and bring a sense of what it really is as we normalize triggers. Triggers are not attached necessarily to uh, a condition or a disorder of any sort. I want you to know what they are, how to respond to them. If you are a breathing human being right now, you likely have triggers or you are have been triggered in the past and and triggers even if you haven't had them up to this point they might surface in the future you may not be aware or understand in this exact moment but that is what this season is about that's what this book has been about and that friends is how we become free when we understand the inner workings of our brains and our emotions and how they impact how we behave and that experiences from our behavior and all of the senses come in we really can become free. So we are going to spend this season looking at emotional triggers. We are going to spend this season learning and becoming free. As I said, when we are aware and we do the inner work to understand our triggers, then we can respond to ourselves appropriately. We can even better support our loved ones who may be triggered. We can communicate our needs. We can even ask for reassurance. An example of this is Chloe asking me if I'm upset with her. My outward behavior, like if I'm having anxiety, if I'm feeling frustrated, right? If you're a mom and you've got any children at all, you know, like you can feel it in your shoulders, your body, like, oh my God, for the love of Jesus, if this toddler doesn't start screaming right now, I'm going to blow my shit. Okay. Emotional triggers. They're usually stemming from where when like the anxiety is rising. But anyways, so my, I'm trying to keep myself together, right? But your triggers, your, your emotions, they can be sensed in your body. And that actually triggers Chloe. Chloe has a trigger of a fear of abandonment and I'm her person. So if I ever have any outwardly negative emotion, it doesn't have to be directed towards her at all. My body language could just speak upset. And she instantly internalizes that. That triggers her. It starts a domino effect. So some of the work that I've been doing with her is, hey, just because mom may look visibly upset on the outside, it doesn't mean that it's something that you've done. And so I'm helping her say, hey, I'm feeling this sense rise in my body. Are you upset with me? And it allows me to communicate. And so triggers, what's really important is we never know if we're going to have one and we never know if we're going to set one off on somebody else. And we cannot live in this world of like hesitation and fear at any time. That's a trauma response. So we have to be able to be who we are as people and we have to have grace for ourselves and those around us because triggers are like landmines and they live in everybody and it comes from something deep inside that we'll, you know, we'll learn about. If we know and accept the fact that we can be triggered at any point and that somebody can be triggered by us and allow that grace, communication and that recovery, it becomes more fluid. That definitely helps. That's how relationships grow and become stronger. So that's something that I do with Chloe. This awareness, it definitely allows us to live more presently. It allows us to be better connected with ourselves as well as those around us. We're going to have better relationships with our spouses, our children, our parents, our friends, our coworkers, anybody that you really actually have some sort of interaction with. So the book. This week, we're going to start with the intro. And each week, I'm actually, there's an italicized like blurb at the front of it, uh, the segment of each chapter, and I'm going to actually read that to you. But the book is From Triggered to tranquil how self-compassion and mindful presence can transform relationships conflicts and heal childhood wounds by susan campbell chapter one triggers trauma and trigger work the path to healing self our unprocessed emotional wounds and 
reactions that arise from them are what makes us go to war, blow up our our children, get hostile on the freeway, hit send on that email rant, walk out of meetings, argue with our loved ones, and make short-sighted decisions. And that small blurb, what I actually had underlined were the things that really stuck out to me and kind of gave me that they connected, they like they invoked a little bit of emotion. And so um, the makes us go to war kind of at our within myself, that's where I felt that connection, you know, blowing up at our children, I have raised my voice, I have been frustrated, I think all moms have and uh, the arguing with our loved ones. And that really prompted me to think about uh, my marriage, or my relationship with my parents my family. So those are things that really stuck out for me. And uh, level setting childhood here, this is where some of this groundwork starts. And you don't have to have a horrible childhood. Like, let's just be really clear. It doesn't mean that you had to have a horrible childhood for this season to apply to you. Childhood is our primitive years. And it's where it shapes our attachment style, as well as contributes to the areas where we may be harboring core wounds. And so core wounds are something where there's something underlying. Maybe we don't feel worthy. Maybe we don't feel good enough. And you can have the most excellent, perfect environment, parents, whatever it is. They never, you know, people don't intend to create an injury or a wound inside. and, And most of the time it comes from a perspective. So it's not even something intentionally that was done by a parent. There is things out there like childhood abuse. And, and this is very applicable to that space as well. Um, but just having what, I, you know, for lack of a better term, quote unquote, normal childhood, you can still walk out of those primitive years with, you know, a core wound that's in there somewhere. And um, those hurts and disappointments that we suffer in our childhood, and if we are not able to process them, they are often leaving a lasting scar within respect to our inner self of safety and security. And so that's where this really starts to actually formulate. And that was what was really eye-opening to me. So uh, I want to get some terminology out of the way. Let's start with shadow or shadow work. You'll hear that. So the best way that I really got this to um, resonate with me is if you look at an image, if you go outside anywhere, any image that we have, when there's light that's out there, you've got exposed areas, the light pieces. And then obviously when there's objects within a scene, there's a shadow. And that shadow has a different, you know, have a different feeling, right? Like if we're in the summer and we step into the shadow area, the shaded area, it's cooler. Uh, so there's a different sensation there. And the idea with shadow work is that there's different parts of us. And in that shadow area or that darker space where the light isn't shining, we can have different parts of us that we may not necessarily be aware of how it interacts or how it's working, um, what we're feeling and that kind of stuff. So shadow work is something that you'll hear us uh, or hear me talk about on this podcast. The next term is trauma and that really just it refers to an event or a series of events that overwhelm a person's ability to cope that's really what trauma is it doesn't have to be a scary term we can completely normalize that here it's just something that um, was unexpected and it caused a over sense or a, an overwhelming sense to our nervous system uh, then you know moving into shock trauma that is where there's a sudden and overwhelming am set up so there's different levels of trauma and shock trauma was something that I wanted to share about because it kind of would relate into where my story things like that there's de- developmental trauma which is that itself is in that space where there's um, neglect abuse or chaotic situations while the child is developing in those primitive years leading up into their their um, adulthood so there's that kind of layer of trauma so we've got different traumas that are event-based and developmental based and and then let brings us to to uh, trigger 
And trigger really, it's a current time cue or event that re-simulates the sensations of the past trauma. So it doesn't mean that in that moment, you're living something that looked like the trauma. What a trigger really is, is it is a cue that while you're in that event, the sensations or the feelings inside your nervous system, our body, it's its a physical sense. It's not even something that you're aware of cognitively. Um, your body remembers how you felt. So if there was something that was happening um, in this current situation and uh, for an example, I'll use a car accident. And during that car accident, you, you know, three years ago, you had this like sense of um, auditory things that you heard or like inside feelings. And then now you're three years later and you, you know, you're watching a movie or you're, um, you hear something that has like a loud crunch or something and, and your body then will trigger. It's those sensations inside that you're um, reacting to. Uh, which then leads into trigger reactions. And that's, you know, that involves the version of fight, flight, or freeze. There's another fourth trauma response of fawn. I'll talk about that um, as we get through this book, because I, my trauma or trigger response is the flight, freeze, or fawn. I'm not really a fighter. Uh, It's not been something that has that that's just not been my trigger, but it is for some. So uh, fight is my daughter's trigger response. She, um, her anger makes her feel powerful and it makes her feel protected. So that's really her trigger reaction. And so when her anxiety is high, her symptoms are coming in, those triggers are happening inside the body is rising. That's the first indication really is because she starts to set herself up. She makes herself large and she gets angry and she's ready to fight. Attachment trauma, that is it it's a term that's used um, for the common forms of like neglect, abuse, or disorganized behavior that interferes with you know an infant or a child's secure attachment or bonding with their caregiver. It can uh, create certain attachment styles. Attachment styles is something that I have spent some time researching over the last few months. Incredibly, incredibly fascinating, and things that we'll also talk about through this season. After that, uh, co-regulation is something that helps us as we're dealing with like the recovery or the the response of triggers. And that's just reassurance of safety by another human being. So we help our kids, you know, we co-regulate with our kids when they're, when we're helping them respond, it's, it's giving them reassurance and calmness, but essentially that's how you you can help somebody is co-regulating. So I really liked how Susan reflected the root of most human conflict. And so I have a little section here that I want to read to you from page three. Susan writes that she discovered the root of most human unhappiness, conflict, and dysfunction. It is the fact that we do not know how to accept and work with painful emotions and trigger reactions. So we project the cause of our reactions onto others, thus creating needless conflict and misguided action. If we could learn how to accept and work with painful realities of our lives, instead of blaming and scapegoating, denying and repressing, this world would be a saner, safer, friendlier place. That's a big statement. I mean, when I read that, it I mean, it's true. It's true if you have somebody in your life that has a trauma background or a condition that's, you know, anxiety driven or PTSD. Even without those things, if you cut somebody who is responding in a certain way, if we approached our relationships with ourselves or with others 
with this this grace of knowing that we're we're merely projecting what we're feeling inside. We could like take things less personal. We could respond to to people in a way there'd be less defensiveness. I think that relationships would be more thriving and healthier. When we are triggered and decisions are being made in that state, emotion trumps logic. That's the one thing that my therapist said to me in almost every session when I would say, Thomas, I just, and he'd say, Christina, emotion trumps logic. And so if we're making decisions in a triggered state, we're really making those decisions and those judgment calls from the wrong part of our brain. We are in an emotional state and that emotional state is very primitive. It's it's coming from the, they call it the primitive or the lizard part of the brain, the amygdala. So when we are making and deciding how we feel about something from that space, it's not coming from a logical space. The problem solving and ra- rational part of our brain, those thoughts reside in our frontal cortex, which is, you know, the executive function of the brain. And that's where we can really actually step back and challenge our thoughts, think about different perspectives. The rational side is where we we need to be able to respond from. And that's what this whole exercise is going to be about. So you're like, cool, we've got parts of the brain, we've got terminology, triggered states, like how this world would function. You want to know, or at least I would like you to know, Uh, What does it mean to get triggered or like, why does that happen? There's a paragraph here that, you know, when we get triggered, our nervous system quickly releases a strong neurochemical like adrenaline. It's the... It's the activating hormone and and cortisol, which is a stress hormone, and that causes us to react automatically. This is a animalistic or like a primitive thing. Like we are not sitting over here thinking like this feels uncomfortable or dangerous to me, so now I'm going to engage. That's not how this works. So it causes us to react automatically without realistic awareness of our full range of options. We actually become blind to the possibilities available to us. Creative problem solving goes out the window. It goes back to that idea that I talked about emotion trumps logic. We actually will regress to a a lesser or a least resourceful version of ourselves. It's sort of like being a cornered animal. And when I started to learn about this stuff when I was reading this book, yeah, yeah, I can see that in my own self. I could see when my trigger response or my trauma response is activated and and I feel like I'm I'm like there's danger. There's danger. And and in PTSD, that's what the condition is. Is if there's a sense of unsafety here because of the trauma or the experiences, that sense of safety is what activates. And so what I want people to know is that the system feels like there's danger and it can be real or perceived. And we have to learn how to say, "Okay, I'm not actually being attacked by a mountain lion here." I'm not like the danger, like my life isn't really on the line. But what I want to speak very sensitively to, and, and specifically because this is this is relatable for me, is that our nervous system doesn't care what kind of danger. Our body is stupid. Our brain is what gives it context. So when we have that flood of trigger response, those physical reactions in our body, it goes to our brain. And there's that sense of panic. And so in these these trigger responses, it's learning to say, okay, why is my body activating? Where do I feel it in my body? How to sit and be present with that. And dangers can come from a, a wide range of things. Like, you know, triggers and that, that sense of danger can come like if you're walking in an unknown city or if you're on something like a train that you've never been on, those kinds of things. But what I really want to, what I want to showcase here because I think it gets lost sometimes is that interpersonal dangers feel dangerous too. Again, like I said, our bodies are stupid. Our brain gives a context. And if we think 
that something's jeopardizing us, that feels like a threat, it feels like danger, and that can activate us too. And that is something that is very apparent in my in myself and my own triggers. And so in my therapy journal journey and reading this book, this is what truly, truly tears down my face and tears of like realization and relief. But I want to share with you that interpersonal dangers, they feel like dangerous. They feel dangerous too. And what are those? They're our connection with someone special whom we depend on. If that feels threatened in any way, you know, approval or acceptance by other, our self-image, this is a huge trigger for me and for Chloe. If I feel like somebody's not understanding like who I am or my, my self-image is being taken and it, that feels threatening to me, that actually really does activate. I've gotten really good at responding to that one because now of the awareness, but our self-image, uh, being seen as competent, strong, good, honest, smart, right, trustworthy, whatever it might be, uh, that can feel dangerous if there's a threat to that, if it feels like a threat. Financial security, our sense of inclusion or belonging to a group. So those are all really things like that's where triggers can come from too. It's it's feeling like there's something dangerous or there's something threatening to our system. So ultimately, trigger responses can go one of two ways. If left unmanaged and unexplored, they can cause a stuck sensation in life. Uh, a person will live in a cyclical pattern And I share that because I lived that. So I can honestly tell you that, yes, that's that's what will happen. You'll get to a certain point in life and you're like, I just can't get past this. Uh, You'll you'll there will be a loop. It's like a it's like a trauma loop or a negative thought pattern loop. Like those things are signs that you are living with something that's unmanaged and unexplored, Uh, whether it's trauma your trigger responses, whatever it might be, if you're seeing that, use that as an indication to then go maybe in a different way. And the second response for this is that triggers can be used as insight, truly. They can provide us like information about ourselves. They're a portal, really. Trigger trigger reactions are a portal to our unconscious mind because remember we don't this is stored in that shadow part of us we don't have a conscious awareness of it unless we are actively working on that and so use it as information sit with it pause with it work with me here on season three so that we can explore it as human beings we have these beautiful brains they are incredible That means that by nature, we are not robotic. We are not machines. And so on page 10, I wanted to read a little bit from Susan where she shares that humans are not uh, not machines. And what she says is that when people get triggered, they often say that person has pushed my buttons. This phrase, it illustrates how a perceived threat to one's emotional safety can cause a person to go automatic just as if someone pushed a button on a machine. Buttons get pushed or the trigger is pulled and suddenly a person exhibits a series of pre-programmed reactions or automated routines. Humans are not machines, but we often behave like in a, in a machine-like way, automatically explaining ourselves if someone was to say that they don't agree with us or automatically assuming that our housemate is angry if we hear the door slammed. So it's, it's interesting here that we're humans. These brains are amazing. And when we're in the prefrontal cortex, when we're in a space of executive function, it's much different. That's not machine-based. But it illustrates how if we become an autopilot, if we are living in that back part of our brain and in a, in a triggered space, because 
you can be triggered repetitively or you can be living in a triggered state. If you end up on autopilot, that's where the buttons analogy comes in. That's where machine-like behavior comes into. And so what I really want to say is, you know, again, season three is the season where we become free, right? We want to try to avoid autopilot. Avoid the auto response of explaining and defending ourselves and refraining from the auto assumptions that we might be making for ourselves or on the behalf of someone else. Let's pause. Let's be still. Let's process. Let's not be automatic, friends. When we can normalize and accept that we will be triggered at times and that we could even trigger someone else, we can live by extending grace with ourselves and those around us. That's what I mentioned earlier uh, in this episode. When we are not defined by our triggers or by how someone else triggers us in, in response to us, the key really, it comes to understanding the root cause of that trigger and the healing that is needed from the inside out. And so that's what I mean by avoiding autopilot. Don't let a triggered response, like use the second way that we talked about for a trigger response. Use it as information. Take a moment to pause. The book that we are reviewing this season, it can be found on Amazon. And I will put the link in the show notes. You can follow along with me. And actually, I think I said that we did chapter one today and it was the introduction. So chapter one will start next week. You've got some time if you want to get that book uh, purchased and Amazoned to you. And, you know, let me know. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Please consider screenshotting it and tagging me on social media. My handles are in the show notes. And share your favorite part. Until next time, ask yourself. Why are you reacting so strongly to something? May that be with an outward anger or an internal negative thought or judgment for yourself or someone else. Be still, my friends, and together we will find our inner peace. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Nina's Journey, learning to love, live, and grow. If you liked today's episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss any future episodes. I will leave you with this from Joel Osteen. Your job is not to judge. Your job is not to figure out if someone deserves something. Your job is to lift the fallen, to restore the broken, and to heal the hurting. And that's what we do here on Nina's Journey.